welcome into this place and we're so thankful and grateful for his grace and mercy. As we continue in worship, I just want you to know that we are here in the presence of God. We are here to worship together. You may notice that the house lights seem a little bit more uh, different, a little more dim than they would be on any given day if you've been worshiping with us regularly, but we have some great issues happening with those house lights. And right now they don't work at all. <laughs> but you know what? We said it's a first world problem, right? We have heat, which we're thankful for. We have a roof over our head. We have a beautiful community of believers, both here in person and online. And most importantly, we are here to serve a risen savior, Jesus Christ. So are you ready to worship him today in spirit and truth? this happening and then let's just praise him I see bright crimson robes dressed over the ashes a wide open tomb where there should be a casket the children are singing and dancing and laughing the father is welcoming this is our homecoming roses in bloom pushed up from the embers rivers of tears flow from good times remembered families are singing and dancing and laughing the father is welcoming this is our homecoming heaven joins in with a glorious sound and the great cloud of witnesses all gather round because the ones that were lost are finally found the father is welcoming this is our Oh, God, me. Scarlet sins that are crimson. 
this morning as we enter into this time of worship and this call to worship, I encourage you to just take a moment to reflect and think about a time that you have sensed a homecoming, that you have just sensed, I am in the arms of Jesus. And I know that this problem, this concern, or maybe this praise is only because of Christ. It is only because of his hands and his mercy. Let's just take a moment to reflect on that. I know for me, one of those memories that I recall is I was in college and my, myself and my dad had both been diagnosed with cancer at the same time. And I was driving home for some treatment and I was just angry at God. And I said, I cannot even pray. And God just said, you don't have to because there's people praying for you because you're in my arms. And all you need to do is stay open to me. All you need to do. That was a homecoming moment for me. I knew I was in the arms of Jesus and I knew that there were people supporting me. So today, I don't know where you are. I don't know if you are the supporter, if you are the one that is saying, I'm praying for you. God is for you. God is over you. Or if you are the one saying, I just can't. But God, today, would you speak to me and help me to know I don't have to alone. Let's continue in worship. Cause death is just the doorway into resurrection. 
praise be magnified. Let his praise rise. Christ be magnified in me. Oh, Christ be magnified from the altar of my life. Christ be magnified in me. morning. You may be seated. What a wonderful time of worship we've had. Uh, just an opportunity to be in the Lord's presence and to worship him this day. Uh, it's good to be together. I'm Pastor Mindy. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And as you came in, uh, hopefully you had a chance to pick up a bulletin. Uh, there's a lot of information in there. There are a lot of things going on within the life of our church. As you know, of course, right around the corner, we're having a trunk or treat, and many of you have signed up to help with that. I think we would still take some help and volunteers. Uh, it'll be a good time and a wonderful uh, ministry to our community. Also in the foyer this morning, there's a few different things. Um, uh, Christmas, the ladies' Christmas tea is taking place, and so if you'd like, you can purchase tickets out there this morning. Also for the holidays, uh, the teens are selling uh, Christmas wreaths. Those are uh, available uh, to order in the foyer as well. So a couple of places that you can stop by out there. Uh, in the month of November, also, we have a veterans lunch uh, that we're going to be hosting. I believe it's on November 10th um, on a Thursday. So uh, if that's of interest to you, we would love to have you join us. So mark your calendars and, and plan to join us for that. 
And also this morning, uh, if you don't know, we have a luncheon together in uh, the gym at 11. Uh, the church and church board have planned this uh, for the uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. And so it'll be a wonderful time of fellowship. We would love uh, for you to plan to stick around uh, and join us for some food and fellowship there. As we continue in worship this morning, uh, just a few reminders for the giving of our tithes and offerings. If you're worshiping here with us as you exit this morning, there are offering boxes there in the back by the door. And of course, if you're joining us online, you can give uh, via online or via our app as well. And so as we continue in worship uh, by the giving of our tithes and offerings, let's pray this morning. Gracious God, we thank you for these moments. We thank you for this opportunity to come and to be in your presence and to sing these songs and to worship you this day. It's good to be here. It's good to be with the family of believers uh, and to have opportunity to set aside time and focus uh, solely on, on you. And Lord, as we continue in our worship and as we give of our tithes and offerings this day, we pray that you would uh, continue to use them to bless uh, your kingdom and to multiply your kingdom. We thank you for this time together and we continue in worship this morning. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we continue to worship this morning and enter into a time of prayer, the song really echoes, God, if you are longing for my heart, I surrender. God, I'm giving you my all, I'm giving you my heart, I'm giving you myself, my being, my desires, my peace, my longing. And as we enter into this time of prayer, I encourage you to listen, I encourage you to sing, to engage. But more than that, to give God your whole heart today, to lean into him, to not grow into a sense of being stagnant or a sense of, I just don't have the energy. God, God has a strength for you. Give him your whole heart today. Come to him and surrender. And as we've been, been saying these past few weeks, the altars are always, always open for you to come and to come to God in prayer. Or if you would love to just come and um, put a hand upon someone that you've been praying for this week and just to let them know they are not alone, that we are a community of support, a community that sees one another and journeys with one another. If you're comfortable this morning, I encourage you to stand. If you're more comfortable to remain seated, remain seated, but this morning, Let's just give God our whole heart today. You can have my heart. You can have my heart. 
you got it, you got it if you want my heart. You got it, you got it, you got it if you want my heart. You got it, you got it, you got it if you want my heart. You got it, you got it. as we come before the Lord just now. Gracious God, we thank you for these moments. And as we have sung this morning, uh, Lord, we bring you praise and glory and honor. And Father, you can have our heart. You um, are everything to us. And we give back to you church and we pray that you would just continue to uh, help us to shine your light uh, here in the Spokane Valley uh, to be able to be um, uh, to be able to be a light to those that we encounter and father as we go throughout our, our work days and work uh, work settings and, and our neighbors and Lord as we have opportunity to build relationships we pray that you would just uh, keep our eyes open and uh, help us to be able to see where you are at work amongst uh, amongst our friends our family and Well, good morning again, and uh, welcome. It's so good to see you today. I actually just want to take a moment to invite you to our dress rehearsal for our Christmas Eve candlelight service. We just forgot the candles this morning. Uh, seriously, though, if you did come in a little late, obviously we have a lighting problem that decided to show up late in the day on Friday. 
So here we are today, but uh, you know, as we, we think about that, and as, as Jennifer reminded us earlier, you know, worship isn't dependent on the lights in this place. Worship isn't dependent on this incredible space that we have. Worship is dependent on our hearts. If we're humble and obedient, and we come before our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that's why we're here today, to come and to do that and to gather in this place. Amen? And God is with us. And just, you know, I know some of you are wondering, so what is going to happen with the lights, Pastor Mark? So two things are happening with the lights. First of all, we want to fix our immediate problem. And we have no clue when that's going to happen. But we'll keep you posted. How does that sound? Secondly, would you believe that just this week, Nick and I were talking about our lights before we had the problem. I'm not making this up, right, Nick? Right, yes, we were talking about that. So we actually, uh, some of you know that we've been working in replacing these screens. And we think that next Sunday, we're gonna have our new screens up and working. And we're really excited about that. And actually, some of you had given to new screens, and your giving was so generous that we have some extra funds that are left over from those. And so we were starting to talk about some of that, and we've done a lot of upgrades in the church over the last couple of years, especially with our lighting, which have saved our bills tremendously. But we have yet to touch any of the lights here in this sanctuary. And so we were thinking, you know, there is still... Some of you are looking up, yep, yep. The ones you see, the ones you don't see behind these beams. Uh, we've been wanting to upgrade these partially because the time will come when we have to replace them with more efficient things, like it or not, right? The time will come when that happens. But also, there are still some significant rebates available if we make the changes now. And who wants to turn down free money, right? So we're already starting to talk about this, and so hopefully in the midst of all of this, we can kind of just address all of these different problems. And uh, I have no clue what that's gonna cost. Usually if I was ever gonna talk about a project we're doing, I'll have a clue first. But we're probably gonna have to spend a little more than we have left over from the screens and from what we can get from rebates. And so if any of you wanna participate in that, just mark things lighting and we'll know what you mean. And uh, pretty soon we'll be back together in the light again. How does that sound? That's as much as I know for now, so there we go. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to join me in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read from two different sections in this last chapter. We're going to read verses 6 to 8, and then we're going to jump down to verse 16 and read verse 16 to 18. I just invite you to stand as we read God's Word this morning. I'm already being poured out like a sacrifice to God, and the time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, finished the race, and kept the faith. At last, the champion's wreath that is awarded for righteousness is waiting for me. The Lord, who is the righteous judge, is going to give it to me on that day. He's giving it not only to me, but also to all those who have set their heart on waiting for his appearance. No one took my side at my first court hearing. Everyone deserted me. I hope that God doesn't hold it against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that the entire message would be preached through me and so all the nations could hear it. I was also rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil action and will save me for his heavenly kingdom. To him, be the glory forever and always. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say together, thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. You know, we've spent the last seven weeks working through First and Second Timothy. And First and Second Timothy, along with the book of Titus, are known as the pastoral epistles. There are these three letters that come from Paul to Timothy and to Titus who were serving in pastoral type roles with those respective congregations. 
You know, being a pastor is a unique role. There's a lot of things that are unique about it and a lot of things that are hard to really explain until you get into it. I suppose that's true of a lot of roles, right? There's only so much you can learn and so much you can understand until you actually get involved in that kind of a thing. You know, there's a, a lot of things I remember from the first church that I pastored. I, I went to my first church out of seminary. I was 25 and I was single and I was pastoring this congregation of about 25 folks on a good day if football games weren't starting early, right? And I'd been in the church for all of about two or three months when I got a phone call that Jerry, who was our church treasurer, that he and his wife had been in a car accident and they were being rushed to the hospital by ambulance. Would I please come down? So I got in my car, and it was only a half mile to the hospital. I didn't have very much time to think, but all kinds of thoughts were racing through my mind. What happens if I have to do my first funeral? I've never done a funeral before. What happens if my treasurer dies? Who's going to be my treasurer? This is like a quarter or a third of my congregation who's all connected through the family here. What is going to happen? I've only been a pastor like two or three months. Seminary didn't prepare me for this, right? Seminary prepared me less for what happened when I got to the hospital. I walked into the waiting room in the emergency department, and before I entered the door, I could see all of the family sitting there looking very nervous. And as soon as I walked through the door, they looked up and saw me, and instantly their shoulders relaxed when they saw me walk in the room. And I thought, oh no, that's not a good thing. Like, I don't know what they think I can do, but I'm just showing up here, right? And it kind of terrified me, and, and I realized that, you know, there's this role that comes from being a pastor, where there are those times where you represent God to people and pray for people to God. It's one of the roles that comes with that. I also realized pretty quickly that as a pastor, sometimes you get invited into these pretty intimate times in people's lives. You get invited to celebrate in the birth of children. You get invited to officiate in weddings or show up at graduation parties. You get invited to do memorial services. You get invited into these really intimate times in families' lives. It's a humbling experience to experience that. You know, a different kind of a memory, though, I have from that first church is I was, I was with some of our, our leaders, and we were getting ready for a Sunday, and there were these two couples. And, and this, one, this, this one man, his name was Scott, and he was such a huge supporter in so many ways. And Scott and his wife had two little boys at the time. And I don't remember what happened. Just imagine what could happen in a church with two little boys. And it was probably something like that. And, and Scott just kind of shook his head, and he said, you know what? Sometimes being a parent is the hardest thing in the world. It can be the worst sometimes. And he smiled and he said, you know, sometimes being a parent is the greatest thing in the world. It can be absolutely the best sometimes. And I couldn't really understand what he was talking about. I was single at that time and surely no kids, right? But that tension between something being so very good and so very difficult at the same time. I was reminded of, of that story this week as I've been thinking about First and Second Timothy. As Timothy was called to go and serve in this type of pastoral role with this congregation, which was an incredible blessing, but also knowing that here were these people who had been so close, who'd been so connected, who now we're dealing with tension and conflict. And he was being sent into this situation to have to deal with conflict amongst people who'd been very close. You know, sometimes the worst conflict to deal with is conflict amongst people who've been very close together, conflict in family or conflict amongst friends. And so here's Timothy going into this really difficult situation. And so Paul, so much of what Paul says in First and Second Timothy 
is, is words of encouragement. There's instructions for how is the church to be the people that God has called the church to be, but there's also this instructions for Timothy and this encouragement for Timothy for what Timothy is to do. And, and these words to Timothy are also words to us today. They're words that offer us encouragement and, and, and help us to keep going on and to help give us this sense of direction. You see, Paul is writing from a, a certain perspective here. It's a perspective that some of you would be familiar with. I, I know we've got probably some football fans here today, right? We've got one football fan here today. Well, for those of you who aren't football fans today, have you ever heard the term armchair quarterback? You familiar with that term, right? You know, somebody who sits in their chair and, and thinks that they can call the plays better than the coach or the quarterback on the field, right? And, and they're, they're really good at giving their critiques on the screen there. You know, it's, it's one thing to watch football. It's another thing to play football, isn't it? It's a whole different experience if you're out there on the field and if you're, if you're, you're in the midst and doing those kinds of things. You know, for those who've played the game, they have experience to draw from. They have a level of experience that can shape their understanding of what is happening and their knowledge of what they're able to do. You know, experience, if we allow it, can give us the opportunity for reflection. Experience can give us the opportunity to look back and say, you know, I'm really glad I did it this way. Or, you know, I wish I would have done this differently. Knowing what I know now, here's what I would have done different than that. Paul is writing this letter from a level of experience. Paul is writing this letter from really some, some really challenging experience. This is the end of his ministry, and Paul is currently in prison, and apparently he's already had a first trial. And that first trial did not go very well. And there's another one awaiting, and Paul is not expecting that one to go any better. So Paul knows that his days are numbered. He knows that his time is coming to an end. And yet, from that position, as he's reflecting on his life and his ministry and the ways that he has, has followed after Jesus Christ, you know what he has to say? I wouldn't do anything different. I am so glad that I remained faithful even through the challenging times of being faithful and obedient to Jesus Christ. And so Paul's message to Timothy and Paul's message to us is even in the midst of those circumstances when faith seems so very stretched and challenged, don't give up, keep pressing on, and receive the award that awaits you in the heavenly kingdom. You know, sometimes we have to be reminded to not give up because when life gets challenging or when we get tired, it's easy to want to give up. This last week, I went to three cross-country meets, two middle school cross-country meets and one elementary school cross-country meet. At the elementary school cross-country meet, they start with first graders and they kind of work their way up. And, and you see this in all of the different ages, but when that gun goes off, do you know what the kids do? I mean, they take off sprinting like it's a 100-yard dash. And they make it about 100 yards. And then some of them start walking for the rest of the race, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's typical to do. You start out so fast, and then you get tired, and then you wonder if you're ever going to make it through. I was, I was thinking of that this week. I was actually reminded of a story that a friend of mine told me. I, I had a friend who was on staff at Bethany First Church. Some of you who've been Nazarenes for a while know that Bethany First Church is one of the larger Nazarene churches in in, at least in the USA, Canada. And some years ago, they built a new building, and so they had a bigger sanctuary. And there was someone who was a part of their church. Some of you would remember these days. I don't remember these days, but there were days in some Nazarene churches when people would, would run the aisles. Any of you remember those days? And, and evidently, in this congregation, there was, there was this old saint, and, and he loved to run the aisles. And it was the first Sunday in their new building. And he just got blessed. I mean, he got blessed by God, and, and he stood up where he was, and he started running around the backside of the sanctuary. 
and, and he made it about halfway around the new sanctuary. And he bent over and put his hands on his knees. And the pastor just looked out and said, brother, it's a bigger sanctuary than the old one, isn't it? <laughs> you know, when you're, when you're running, you've got to pace yourself. You know, as, as a runner myself, there's sort of conventional wisdom that says, you know, if a race is going to be really challenging, if I, can, if I can start out maybe just a little bit faster, if I can just go a little faster at the beginning before it gets tough, I can kind of bank myself some time that I can draw from later on. Banking time doesn't usually work in running races. Most of the people who win or most of the records that are set either happen from an even pace the whole time or something that's called negative splits, where the first half of the race is actually slower than the second half of the race. You hold back when you're fresh so you have the energy to keep going when things get really hard. You know, some of what Paul is talking about here in First and Second Timothy and some of what Paul has talked about throughout First and Second Timothy is this call to, to faithful endurance. There's a temptation in the Christian faith when we're challenged to try to bank piety. <laughs> we know that there's these challenging situations in our faith, so I'm going to read my Bible extra this week, and I'm going to pray extra this week, and I'm even going to listen to Christian radio instead of talk radio when I'm driving to work this week. You know, we think that if we do some of these extra things, it will give us what we need to get through. But really, the Christian life is, in many ways, this long obedience in the same direction. To use a phrase that does not come from me. In many ways, the call of Paul is that we would live lives of faithful obedience each and every day to sustain us for the long haul of this Christian journey. That's what Paul is reminding Timothy about as he's going into this difficult situation, and that's what Paul is calling us to do. Paul is, is saying from his point of reflection as he's nearing the end of his life, he's saying it was so worth it. And here's why it was worth it. Here's why it was worth it. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who graciously reaches out to us. And God offers every single one of us God's love and God's grace so that we can experience life and wholeness as the way it was meant to be. And not only does God reach out and offer us love and grace from afar, but we have Christ who is always present with us. We have Christ who is present with us no matter the circumstances that we face. We are never alone in this Christian journey because Jesus Christ is always with us. And if we remain faithful with Christ, then one day we'll share in all of the rights and privileges that come from being a child of God. We'll share in the family inheritance that comes for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Paul is saying, even when life gets tough, and even when there's moments when you might say, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to follow Jesus Christ? Paul gives us a resounding, yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know, there's another thing that, that Paul talks about. Well, actually, for a moment here, as, as Paul's talking about um, this way of living that is so worth it, a life that is truly worth living, you know, we could, we could ask the question, what, how, is it that, how is it that we experience the grace of God and the presence of Christ in our daily lives? How is it that we experience these things? Well, one of the ways that we experience the grace of God and the presence of Christ in our daily lives is by doing what we're doing right now. As we gather together with the body of Christ and we worship our risen Lord and Savior. It's one of the ways that we experience the grace of God and the presence of Christ. Another way that we experience the grace of God and the presence of Christ is through holy friendships. Those kinds of friendships that are built on on helping one another be the people that God has called us to be. Those kinds of friendships that encourage us, that challenge us, that support us, and that 
that keep us accountable. It's one of the ways that we experience the, the grace of God and the presence of Christ. We also do that through prayer as we, as we just come in the presence of God and we learn to, to wait on God and learn to, to trust in God. You know, these verses that we read a few moments ago, some people suggest that Paul's words here echo the 22nd Psalm. How many of you are familiar with the 22nd Psalm? It's the Psalm that Jesus quoted when he was on the cross. It begins with those words that many of us know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's this Psalm of lament that expresses this this cry out to God, this, this cry to God, wondering if God is present in the midst of this really difficult circumstance. You know, Psalm 22 ends by saying, but I trust in your unfailing love, that kind of an idea. You know, one of my favorite parts about Psalm 22, though, is that it's followed by Psalm 23. Many of you are familiar with the 23rd Psalm that reminds us even in those difficult times of life that God is right there with us, amen? And so I've been in prayer, we come before God to, to express our, our concerns, to offer our praises, to ask God to, to intervene in our lives or the lives of those around us or the lives of our community or this world. One of the other messages that Paul has communicated though throughout First and Second Timothy, one of the ways that we live into the grace of God and the presence of Christ is through scripture. Some of you who've been with us this journey know that there have been these times when, when Paul encourages Timothy not to get caught up in some of the, the myths that are being circulated, not to kind of believe some of the conventional wisdom of the world around him, but to remain faithful to what it is that he's been taught, to hold on to that faith that he learned from his grandmother and mother, some of you remember those verses, to, to hold on to the faith that is, is shared with us through Scripture. And I wanted to just take a couple moments today to reflect on that, to reflect on that, that role of, of Scripture for us, because how is it, how is it that we stay faithful to Scripture? See, we don't believe that Scripture has the answer to every problem, right? If you have algebra homework, you're probably not going to find the answers in Scripture, but Scripture does tell us everything we need to know to live in faithful obedience with Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us everything we need to know to know God and walk with God and experience the grace that comes along with that. But how do we read Scripture in a way that's faithful to Scripture? How do we understand what, what Scripture is saying to us? You know, uh, some of you have heard of, of a term called the Wesleyan quadrilateral. It's one of the ways that we can approach Scripture that is helpful to us. I mean, Scripture, scripture reveals God to us. We see God in so much in Scripture, and we, we certainly trust Scripture, but none of us read Scripture in a vacuum. Every time we read Scripture, we're interpreting Scripture. Let me give us an example of somehow this works. Anytime we read words, we interpret them. I got a couple of examples. Kaylee, do you got that first one for us? So for example, how do you read these words? Well done steak, or well done steak. Good job, right? Punctuation can help us out. Here, here's, another, here's another one for us. A woman without her man is nothing or a woman. Without her, man is nothing. I'm just going to leave that one there. We'll go on to the next one. You don't even need me to read it for you, do you? Punctuation saves lives. Let's eat grandma, or let's eat grandma. Obviously, we use punctuation to help us out, but even with punctuation, you know, two people could read the same thing and read it differently. You know what I mean? And so how do we read Scripture in a way that prevents us from getting caught up, you know, trying to eat grandma for lunch or something like that, right? 
how do we read scripture in a way that's, that's faithful to the text and realizing that anytime we read scripture, we're coming to scripture from our own experiences, from our own understanding. And all of these things shape some of how we read scripture. So what helps us as we approach scripture? One of the ways in our tradition that helps us think about this is, is the Wesleyan quadrilateral talks about four things. It talks about scripture first and foremost. But it also talks about that we have reason that we bring into this. We, we believe that God gave us minds for a purpose, right? And we can use our minds as we, as we read scripture to, to study and to try to understand. And sometimes it takes a little time to understand. Like it takes time to get to know what somebody means when they say things, right? You, you understand what I'm talking about here? You know, I was thinking, I was, I was thinking about, um, I hope it's okay if I share this story. I didn't ask you beforehand. Uh, but we were having, having brunch with some people yesterday, and we were telling some of the story of how we met. Um, any of you have stories of how you met your spouse? Is there one story or two stories that go along with that? You know, when Jennifer and I knew each other for a little while, we, we would see each other every, every once in a while, and I pastored my first church for three years before we got married, and so I was a single pastor, and we'd seen each other one time, and she sent me an email after we'd seen each other, and she said, I'm praying for your church. And, and now she's not up here to defend herself, but she likes to present this as if she was just pouring out her heart for me, and I should have responded my undying love for her. And I'm a man, so when the email said, I'm praying for your church, do you know what I heard? I'm praying for your church. To which I said, thank you. Now, I might be a man, but I'm not a completely dumb man. And over the years, I've learned that there's more to those words, I'm praying for your church. But it sometimes takes time, takes getting to know a person, takes getting to know how people communicate. You know, as we study scripture, we can learn to understand better what's happening there, right? As we get familiar with more of the breadth of scripture and the depth of scripture, it helps us understand. So, so reason helps us to understand scripture. You know, we also believe that experience can help us some as we understand Scripture. We believe that the Christian faith is not just about having certain answers. It's not just about being able to pass some test. It's not just having right doctrine. We believe that Scripture is so that we can know God, so that we can follow God, which means that Scripture helps us to know how to live lives of faithful obedience. And so how is Scripture forming us, and how do we experience some of this? But we don't trust experience alone because all of our experiences are limited, right? And the other danger when we trust experience alone is that it's pretty easy for us to convince ourselves of things we want to convince ourselves of, right? So we don't trust experience alone, but yet we value that. So the last part that we bring in here is this understanding of tradition. Tradition says to us, how do we understand Scripture? And how has the church understood Scripture across time and across place? How has the church understood Scripture across time and across place? Because sometimes when we're just kind of stuck in the middle of our own place, we don't see some of the ways that we are reading things or understanding things. And so we also test our understanding within this context of the larger body of Christ. How has the church understood this? And that helps us as we read scripture so that we can read scripture in a way that's faithful and obedient to what God has called us to do. Is this helpful at all? A little bit? I can't see, you gotta like kind of over, over exaggerate today. You know, I just want to take a few moments today to talk about that, but coming back to these verses here, you know, as Paul was writing to Timothy, he was writing to somebody that he cared about deeply, someone who is trying to live out his Christian faith and someone who is going to be finding and facing some really challenging circumstances. 
as I look out at our congregation today, and I think of some others who aren't with us today, I know that some of you find yourselves in the midst today of some really challenging circumstances. Some of you are dealing with grief. Some of you are dealing with medical conditions. Some of you just feel all alone. You know, whatever the circumstances, whatever the challenge, it can be those moments when we say, can I even make it through? And we hear today the words of Paul. He says, I've finished the race. I'm about to receive the reward that waits all of those who are in Christ Jesus. And looking back on it all, it was so worth it. In the meantime, until you get to that place, Paul says to you and me today, God's love and grace is offered to you all the time. God's love and grace is offered to you. And Christ is with you. Even when you may not feel it, even when you have doubts and questions, even when you're afraid, Christ is with you. And Christ can help you. And we have these blessings of this life worth living that come through the body of Christ and through prayer and through scripture and those holy friendships. And lean into those in those moments when you want to quit. Lean into those things in those moments when you don't understand. And keep on going, because it's worth it. And one day, we'll get the reward for all those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Dear Lord, as we gather together in this place today, Lord, we are so grateful that you are a God who sees us right where we are, who meets us in those places and who never leaves us. And God, we're just here today because we long to live lives of faithful obedience to you in good times and in challenging times. And Lord, we just pray that by your grace and power at work within us through your Holy Spirit, through the presence of Christ our Savior, through the blessings of the fellowship of the body of Christ, through times in your presence, through prayer, through the gift of scripture. God, we pray that you would help us to have the endurance to finish well. Lord, help us to live for you, not only today, but each and every day. And as we live for you, God, we pray that those around us would see your love and grace and life shining through us. In your name, amen. Would you stand this morning? I encourage you to just let these words fall on your heart this morning. All my words fall short. I got nothing new. How could I express all my gratitude? I could sing these songs.
stretched wide, I will worship Well, thanks be to God, we're not alone, amen? And as we go, we're reminded that we are not alone. Would you join with me as we say our benediction together again today? As we go, we acknowledge that we can't live godly lives for our own strength and power. We need God's grace and we need one another. As we go, may you go in the grace and peace that comes through our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.